Hello, everyone. Welcome back to season two. This is episode three. We are back to school full time and we are after Labor Day. So hopefully most of the country I think now is back in school. But um, I have a really interesting question I want to ask you, Robert. So um, our district, Clark County School District, they have built in PD days for our district. So when I was teaching in the district, it was, I believe, four days that was built in to the school year um, that was specific to professional development. Sometimes the district had things that they had us, trainings and things that they had us to do. And then other times it was kind of left up to admin to pick and choose what they wanted to do. And sometimes that led to being allowed to plan with your team or cross um, vertical planning with other grade levels, et cetera. So I am not in the classroom anymore, but I obviously know what's going on in our district because of you and other principal friends I have and teachers and colleagues that I that um, I still stay in contact with. So what is the agenda for this particular school year, 2022-2023, and professional development? So we have... The same amount of days. We have four days, uh, mm-hmm. one next week, one in November, one in January, and one in April, assuming they don't change them. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. In the past, sometimes the district will say, you need to cover this, you need to cover that. But for the most part lately, um, they've left us alone, or at least I, again, I'm a little different. I feel like I've pretty much been able to do my own thing in most cases. This year, we have to do... Uh, what's called MTSS, which is multi-tiered support systems, structures, one of those two, another acronym in Clark County. Um, And we have to go over things. So every admin, every principal had to go to a training this summer for a half a day about multi-tiered support structures. And basically they went over what the district's trying to do is to get everybody on the same page with respect to vocabulary about certain things, the educator performance framework, writing, um, things of that nature. So this year, we have to take some of that training and incorporate it into our staff development day. So they have at least given us the opportunity to choose what they think we need. Okay, so uh, so let me see if I understand this correctly. You went to a training, suppose, basically, and you were given the expectation that you're supposed to have your staff do professional development on the NEPF and vocabulary all at the same time, or is this over the course of the four different PD days? So to be honest, I don't know if it's over the course of four days, but we had to turn in our plan for this Staff Development Day, and we have to include something about MTSS. Okay. All right. And that includes all of those components that you just talked yeah, about? Yeah, so or? whatever okay. was in the training that we went through. But they're like, but that's like a whole conglomerate of things. That's not just focusing in on one thing. How do you focus in on? How, okay, so tell me what you're doing. So I appreciate that. Yes, there is a lot. And I appreciate that they did not basically make us do anything from a script or mandate anything. Um, At the training, there was some Google Docs, 
that were really good, I thought, for pacing in writing, mm-hmm. or sentence stems or paragraph uh, type setups that I thought would be valuable to teachers because we struggle in writing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to run with those. So you're focusing in on writing then for this next professional development day? Not necessarily. Um, we are kind of all over. So I was going to actually look at our agenda at the moment and I cannot get to it. But um, we have other concerns at Thompson that we have to cover. We are working to revamp math. Um, I want to give out a shout out to a lot of t- teachers at Thompson. They are already on this. We struggle in math. The district is horrendous in math. Math is our lowest. We had our, our proficiency rate was 59%. So if you look at it another way, we're essentially failing four out of 10 kids. Um, so we're focusing on math and revamping math to be more, um, ind- uh, not independent, but uh, more differentiated for kids. We also um, have to get all, we have so many new people that we're trying to get them caught up with everything in terms of AR and data. And then we're doing MTSS. And then <clears throat> there's a lot. Um, so we have AR, data, math, MTSS. At the beginning, I'll do something with the whole staff to kind of get us on the same page because, again, we have so many new people. That's in the morning. In the afternoon, I kind of give them some must-dos and some can-dos. So the must-dos are basically plan for the next month and know what's coming. Um, discuss the MTSS stuff and use it for planning writing. And then they have. we also have a new program called Amplify Science. So in the afternoon, I would like for them to plan Amplify Science out a little bit. And then the can-dos, I'm going to try to give them time for district-wide videos and uh, basically anything that they need personally. Did that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, but my mind is just blown and I'm just overwhelmed thinking about your day because that, as somebody who was a classroom teacher Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm still somewhat in the trenches a little bit because I supervise student teachers that are in our school district, in the Clark County School District and in other districts, um, so I do see what is happening and I do know what's going on. I just don't see it, how it can be effective well, when it's just a short amount of time. And I'll tell you why, because the research is there to prove that writing overall from yes. kindergarten into high school is the least preferred activity out of any out of any um, standard, out of any subject, so to speak, writing is a big struggle. And so if we're wanting to get better at it, I think we need to spend some time and come up with some ideas and 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 have more planning with the exception of 20 minutes. And that's right. what it sounds like to me. It sounds like you have a lot going on and there's yep. 20 minutes and it's like, here, plan something. And it takes a little bit more thought process and a little bit more intention in 20 minutes. To be fair, the staff at Thompson can kind of handle the 20 minute blurbs. If you had a group of teachers that were brand new, um, or, you know, if you were all in on a new program, sure, you're going to take more time. Our thought process is for math, essentially, we have four days. So our end goal this year Mm -hmm. is for everyone to learn how to make things more differentiated for kids. For example, uh, 
I tell them all the time, don't slow the high kids down. Mm -hmm. So what happens is in math, it tends to be whole group at the beginning all the time. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. And so, all right, we can, I mean, so. Well, I, I, we, we, I have something here. Go ahead. That's okay. This is, that's why we're here. <laughs> math tends to be whole group at the beginning all the time. You're going to cover that, that standard whole group, no matter if kids need it or not. Okay. And okay? here's where I'm going to interject because Robert, I don't care what grade you are teaching. You are hired to teach your standards for your grade level. So for kindergarten, mm. I am hired to teach whole group, the kindergarten standards to my students' whole group. Small group is for remediation and extension. That is my job. I am not there. And this is where I think you need to re reframe your thinking because I am not there to teach first grade. I am not there. And if you have me just stretched to the utmost and, and I have all of these, um, you know, I'm supposed to, to teach to, you know, to the high kids and, and keep the high kids going, but I'm totally missing out on grade level content and what I'm supposed to be teaching. I think that's a problem. Here's my question for you. Okay. If a kid comes into kindergarten mm -hmm. and knows their letters and can add, Mm -hmm. Why do they need to sit through your whole group learning the number one? Okay. Um, so I, I'm supposed to skip that or what? What would you, no. what would you, what would you as the principal prefer that I do? I will tell you. So we are working on where if you have a student in kindergarten this year, as a matter of fact, we have a student who already reads at a mid first grade level in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So that kid better not sit through a phonics lesson on short A. They got it. So what the teacher does is the teacher knows if she needs to work on something. But while she's doing that, the kid will go read his AR book. It happens to be a boy. His AR book while the other kids are learning short A. She's not wasting his time learning short A. He is using his time wisely to read a book at his level and improve his reading ability. I, I understand I understand what you're saying, but as somebody who's actually been in the classroom, I'm going to add in I this. taught. There's, I taught. Yeah. Uh, okay. True. True. But listen to this, especially when you are in kindergarten and then the early elementary, there is more to kindergarten and more to, to school than AR and reading. For instance, sure. you have to learn how to ask and answer questions. And that happens in a whole group setting. You have to learn to interact with your peers. You have to learn. There is a lot that goes on in these whole group settings beyond just skill-based and just beyond standards. And so I don't feel it's, I don't, I feel you're doing students an injustice when you're like, okay, well, you're on a first grade level. So you're going to be over here and you're on a second grade level. So you're going to be over here and I'm going to pull you out because you're reading at a third grade level. So you're going to go to the third grade classroom. And then that's what, that's what small group is for. That's what small group is for. The problem is, is that most people, a lot of teachers don't know how to be effective in small groups. That is the problem. Yes, it is because they want to take everybody and say, here's our four groups for the next nine weeks. And everybody's going to stay in that group. A small group is supposed to be fluid. It's supposed to change almost on a daily basis according to the needs of the students. So I should be remediating and I should be extending within my small group. I should not keep the same group for nine weeks on a, on a dumb book 
just because they're supposed to be in the group called the gorillas. Abby, That's not effective. Listen to me. Okay. I love when you get passionate because you don't let me talk. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with some of the points you're making. Okay, there is more to it, but you are essentially saying, mom, I know your kid can read, but they still need to sit for 20 minutes and listen to me do short A. Like I said, Robert, I my job as a kindergarten teacher is to teach the grade level standards whole group. That uh, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Job, I am not hired to teach first grade. I, I am disagree. hired to teach you the kindergarten standards nope. are there for a reason. Wrong. They are there, there for a reason. And then I am there to remediate and extend and that's what small group is for. I disagree. You are there to grow kids. You now, you have the talent and the ability Hold on, just take a deep breath. You have the talent and the ability to remediate. You had nine groups the last time I was in your room years ago. You had that ability. Many teachers don't have that ability. Okay, so let's teach them. That's where that's where that's where the problem is. Because, I agree. because sending somebody, you know, and here's the thing is, and this has always been my problem with this, with this concept of like, okay, well, this one is reading on I had, I mean, I in my years of teaching in the classroom, I had, you know, this, I had um kids that came in reading and and that blossomed within the first, you know, nine weeks of school and was on a high reading level. And I had some in AR. Yeah, I, I've been there, done that. But some of them could read a but couldn't retell, had no comprehension. And so, so, so we get they quick can't, and they to go judge read a book us, and they come and tell you what they read. We get, but we get quick to judge and say, oh, look, this kid can do multiplication. And they don't know how to answer and ask and answer a question. So why and can't so you we have go that back kid, to, Hold on. If, if a kid knows how to multiply in first grade, they can add everything and they can explain everything why do you make them sit through 20 minutes of your whole group? Have them go over there. Maybe you set them up on Freckle and give them an exact lesson. Then you go and you extend mm-hmm. him afterwards. Why mm-hmm. are you wasting his time sitting there when he okay. could be working so where, so and let then me ask you meet you, with him? So let me ask you a question. Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? So if somebody knows short A, but they um, but they don't know long A, so uh, do I let them? I mean, where where's the lesson? So what if what if fifteen kids out of twenty five kids? Uh, how do you how do you how would you do that in the classroom? You're going to have them all doing different things while you have ten kids in a whole group lesson. So listen, okay. You always say <laughs> I have to use my teacher intuition. Absolutely. Hey. If you have a group of 10 readers in kindergarten on your first day, let's just go three weeks in. Three weeks in, you've done all your assessments and you've got 10 readers. They don't need decodables. They are into books. Okay. You're telling me you're going to have those 10 kids sit through your whole group short A lesson. Okay. Rather than have them go read a book that they can read. And then you meet with those 10 and have them retell. Okay, well let's let's let, let's back up just a little bit I and say like that, that most of the time, most of the time they're the exception to the rule, they're not the rule. So the, fine, most of the time is not some kids. Yeah, most of the time it's going to be the exception to the rule, not the rule. But depends the, on where you work. Okay, but at the same time I'm going to go back to this. And I just, again, I'm supervising student teachers. I'm watching lessons. So I see this in action. 
nobody should be doing a 45 minute whole group lesson anyways. Okay, so well, to have a student, training. huh? That goes back to training. They're exactly. Not- so let's train teachers. Let's, I agree with you. You're, you're overwhelming p- teachers when you're saying like, don't, they, they're confused when you no, say, not. when you're saying, oh, well, don't, don't hold the, the, um, don't slow the high kids down. Don't slow the high kids down. That can be confused for a lot of different so to, not if teachers. you not if you explain it well enough. For example, have a have a teacher. She's wonderful. Third grade, reflective, thinking about math this year. She's I come in and she's talking about her her exit tickets, and she's like, "Look, I gave him an exit ticket. Twenty out of twenty five know how to do this already. Mm-hmm. Great." So I say, "This is really great, but can they explain it?" She's like, "I don't know." So then today she did that, and she had them have explain it. Mm-hmm. On the back of the exit ticket, so mm-hmm. she's using that now. She has okay. That's called ad- formative assessment, and that she is has, an that that's an she's, imperative part of teaching. Yes, Go ahead. She's doing formative assessment to inform herself. She Absolutely. doesn't need to do this anymore okay. for all these yes. kids. Assessment drives instruction. Absolutely, it does, and it's it's. I'm glad to hear that she's doing that because. We we need to have that assessment piece. So if you're doing an exit ticket, now what are you going to do with the exit ticket? So exactly what you said. Okay, now I know that 20. So what she should do is take those 20 kids and yes, you can move on. And those five kids now need to be remediated in a again, small group. We are, we're, we're probably having a logistics problem because we agree on the whole concept that you have to grow all kids you should grow the high kids as much as the low kids. It's just a different way of doing it. You you seem to be saying, I'm going to have a whole group math lesson because I teach kindergarten. And then I'm going to have a small group to teach first grade. Well, I, yeah, I, there is a there's probably a, a connection problem because I say I'm there to teach the kindergarten standards. That's my job. And so I'm going to teach the kindergarten standards. And then the kids that have mastered those standards, I'm going to extend in a small group. And those that have not have not it is ultim- OK, so let me ask you, Robert. So would you so if we're looking at data. And, mm-hmm. and the kindergarten math standard is to add and subtract fluently within five. That's okay. the kindergarten standard. Okay. And so if I have 20 kids and let's say 10 of them have mastered it and 10 of them have not, do you prefer that I just say, well, I'm going to keep on going and those, those 10, they didn't get it. So I'm going to keep on going. Or would you, do you want, do you want everybody to have mastered or do you want to just say, no. well, the majority, uh, you know, 12 here's of my, them. Here's my answer to that. I always kind of go about the 80% rule. Yes. 80% are in tier one, something like that. So if you get to where 80% of your kids know something, you got to move on. If you don't, you're never going to get through the whole year. Okay. Does that make sense? No, we've yeah, you, we've talked okay. about this. We've yeah, talked. So, but I keep coming back to it, Abby. If you have 25 kids and five of them already can add and subtract fluently in kindergarten, why can't you give them something over here okay. to okay. grow so, them? Okay. AKA a small group before. Okay. All group. So I. 
and and I understand my perception and my perspective definitely comes from kindergarten. Okay. I only taught yeah. second grade for one year and then the rest of my career has been in kindergarten and early childhood. So uh, that's the basis I'm coming from. And I will tell you that I have had a multitude of students come in and quote unquote, know the alphabet, but they didn't, they did not have they did not have the correct sounds. They did not, they, they couldn't um, distinguish, you know, upper and lowercase. They might've known all uppercase, but did not know lowercase. And so I think it's imperative. Sometimes they were not, uh, for instance, um, handwriting, you know, if they were taught improperly and they're not correctly writing, am I supposed to just say, well, it looks like you have it. So do, well, I'm just going to send you over here and just have you do this. But I, but, and you don't need to listen to the, um, to the, to the whole group lesson. You have to determine where they are high and where they are average or lower. If they And you're leaving to... that up to teacher discretion. Yes. But and that's where principals go wrong. I think is they yeah. don't trust their people. No, well, Robert, some people can't be trusted. I don't disagree with you there. We you can know what I name mean? a few. I, 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 because I, I mean, but that I, goes I'm, back to training. Yes, it does. And so in, in, in this, where, where are we going to get the quality PD? That's, you know, we started off by talking about quality P or, or PD so, for, yeah. for the school year, because to me, this is something that I'm very passionate about. I'm watching student teachers and I'm, and I'm saying to them, I watched a student teacher that gave out exit tickets. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, I said, okay, so what happened, you know, cause we have post conferences after I've watched the observation. And I asked her, I said, well, what, what did you do with the ex exit tickets? She's like, well, well, nothing. I just collected them. And I said, well, then you wasted their time and your time because if you yeah. don't do anything with the exit tickets that you're just wasted paper so and wasted. Think of this. Okay. You, you said in season one that one of the best PDs you ever had Mm -hmm. Was your return on investment of time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it all comes back to that. Is the best return on your investment of time when teaching kids to make them sit through something, do they all, sit through something they already know? Or is it to differentiate as best as you can going forward? I'm not saying that you can do it for every kid. I don't want you to think you need to have 29 plans. But we do not teach teachers how to make the best decisions for differentiating. For some reason, if you give a teacher a pacing guide and it says week three, you must be on this. If that's how you're training them, that's bad because not every class is like that. Not every kid is like that. You have to have the intuition and the teaching ability to think this kid needs more. This kid doesn't. I'm going to put them on this or do this for them. Or you're going to have a choice board or something of that nature. The problem with the district, they're not growing the high kids because they're slowing them down, or they, uh, teachers are slowing them down because they're making them sit through things they already know. They're making them do low-level work. I got a daughter okay. in seventh grade that does worksheets for homework every night. They're, again, worksheets don't build dendrites. It's a great book. Yeah. Look it up. So again, we as educators, instructional leaders, me, you are not teaching these kids or these people how to differentiate well. We are teaching them a structure. I do, we do, you do. I do, you do, we do. Mm -hmm. Constantly. And that is not showing them that not everybody needs to do 
the we do or the you do. And I hear you. I hear you. I just, I just I feel don't, like I'm convincing you. No, no, no. I hear you. I just <laughs> don't think that. I think that in your mind, you feel like it's easy. But I say, it's not easy. But I say it's not because if you, if we had true smaller class sizes where you, where you could um, have, you know, multiple plans, so to speak. But when you have, you know, 25, 26, 28 kids in a classroom and you're saying, okay, don't hold back the, the high kids. Slow, slow the high kids down. This is which, which could be fluid because they could be high one day and they could not in the next. Exactly. Or, or what we've seen frequently and both you and I are parents. So we've seen this with our own kids. Oh, here's another worksheet. Yeah. So instead of 10 problems now, here's 25. And so how we, is that helpful? Let me run another scenario by you. Okay. The student teachers that you supervise. Mm-hmm. Could they do this back when you taught? Mm-hmm. If you had this concept in your mind, you had one of your nine stations available. Uh-huh. Could you say, okay, John, Michael, and Susie, you guys are going to go over to that station and you're going to explain to each other and create a chart on how to add two plus three. Go. And then the other 25 sit in front of you and you talk about numbers. Could you do that? Um, it, okay. Could it you sounds, do that? It sounds good. But here's here's where I'm gonna throw in some wrenches, okay? Here's he, he, no, you got to hear me out. I you you have to understand. This I'm is, trying to take your perspective there's on more, this. There's more. There's more to it than just the concept because the concept sounds good, but the actual implementation of it is gonna be harder. And I'll tell you why because it takes we're dealing time and with, work and thought. Well, it t- we're dealing with five and six year olds. Now I'm specifically speaking about kindergarten. You asked me about this, yeah. okay? Five and six year olds. They don't want to be ostracized. They don't care if they're smart or not. They don't care if they're capable Sometimes, or not. They some see of them. that they see that the rest of the class is sitting in front of Miss Peterson and having a great time and work, you know, and and doing partner talks and things like that. And they're over here and they're like, "But I don't want to be here." And so Maybe. it becomes a management issue. Maybe specifically but- for I'm speaking specifically for kindergarten. Now, where differentiation can happen is within those stations. I had multiple activities that allowed for differentiation. Now, here's the rub though, Robert. Do I require them to do that? Okay, and I get asked this a lot when I do professional development. So so you have an extension activity. So for instance, let's talk about literacy. So I have an activity at my work with letters station that allows them to um, use letter magnets to fill in a, 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 um, a an alphabet chart, so to speak. And then I have maybe um, uh, hidden sight word, you know, paper. And then maybe I'm like, okay, well, you're able to build CVC words. And so I don't want you to do this. I want you to build CVC words. And is it okay that they that they do the alphabet one? They already know the alphabet. Is it okay? No. Or do they have to do the CVC one because they're capable of it? What is your job? Is your job, you're going to go back to this, and I know what you're going to say, and we're going to differentiate <laughs> on this. My job is to teach kindergarten. Mm-hmm. No, your job is to teach kids. Because sometimes in kindergarten, you're teaching preschool. Okay. Sometimes you're teaching first grade. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what your kids need. 
It, it does. But ultimately, it always comes back to I am hired to teach the kindergarten standards. And then I will. You're not. Remediate. You're hired to teach kids. I, I disagree. I disagree because, Robert, I can't. I mean. So, Abby, if you got a job at an affluent school in deep Summerlin. Mm-hmm. And all of those kids came in and they could all read and they all knew their letters. You're going to tell me you're going to teach them letters and sounds all year long because that's your job. No, but but what I but what I said is there's you're proving that my point. I I I think that I, like I said, I think that your idea and I think that your concept of it sounds good, but I think in reality that's not really what's happening. And and I can say this because I've been, I agree. You know, That's why I'm trying to fix my school to think like that. Yes, but then I think at the same time, your expectations, teachers are wanting to please you, and they want you to say like, "Oh, look, um, you know, Mr. H is coming in, so I want him to know that Sally Sue is, you know, she's she he knows that she's a first grader, but she's can read on a third grade level, so I'm going to have her over here, and um. And then they're, they're just, over, they're here's over. another example. Here's another example. I would rather you... have quality than quantity. Okay. okay so so I don't want to just grade. come up. I don't want to just, I just don't want to send kids over here because I'm not going to be able to provide them qual a, a lot of quality opportunities. It's, it's a lot of time and effort, Robert. You we sound know to me like you just keep making excuses, honestly. Like you just keep saying the kindergartners can't do this and no, I can't do I, this. I, I know. I, I I know that kids are capable, but I want to provide. Well, then why can't we do it, Robert? I like I said, I think in I think in theory, I think you need to go in and 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 try it. You I think know, you need to try it. Now look, I could I could probably do it in two through five. I would be okay. <laughs> I struggled in kindergarten first, and that's why you said that wisecracker. <laughs> but. Again, the goal by the end of the year is for people to be better at differentiating for their kids. I, I get in this debate all the time with teachers, a teacher we used to work with. I'll just say Reka. Reka is fanta- fa- fantastic. Her and I argue, discuss all the time. I'm like, Reka, let's extend it out. And her vision of extending it out is teaching third grade standards deeper. Mm-hmm. Mine is get up into fourth grade. We have this debate constantly. She's not wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. You don't think you're wrong, Robert, but I guess, and, and, and thank you for sharing that because I agree with Reka because if we're just teaching surface and we're just like, okay, you, you kind, you know, you, you were able to do this and, um, and, and, add these numbers. And so I'm going to move you on. If, if they're not able to consistently do it and they're not able what to, if they are able. Okay. Can we like Rika said, can we go deeper? Can How you deep? Do you need to go before you're slowing them down? This is, <clears throat> this is the problem because then you get into third, fourth and fifth where they are judged on two things. One, they're judged on their map growth. Mm-hmm. So if a kid comes in the third grade and they're at a fourth grade level, they have to grow. But then SPACs judge them on just third grade stuff. So third grade teachers or fourth or fifth, they struggle with this concept mightily. 
because they are judged in two areas. SBACs, which is grade level, and MAP, which is growth. Mm-hmm. I go more by the MAP because we can actually get some feedback on that, on whether or not you're growing kids. SBAC gives you basically no data that's good. It's a constant battle. But I keep coming back to the fact that you taught second grade. Mm-hmm. If you were teaching second grade and you had a group of six kids that could read at a third grade level, was your were you teaching them at that level? At a third grade level? Yeah. Okay, so so you're not slowing the high kids down. Oh, but but then it comes back to like I like I said before, you're basically just giving them more word pro, you know, more problems on a worksheet. That's no. that's no. Robert. Why no, can't, no, no, no. Why can't no, you give them? I understand. I understand. I understand what you're thinking, but I'm telling you as a teacher, what ends up happening is, you know, and I know that you had us one time do vertical meetings where we met with the with the grade level above us and below us and looked at their standards and but um what tends up what ends up happening what tends to happen in my experience and what I've seen is the teachers just get a little bit of a harder book and so they're not teaching third grade standards they're that just they're just giving the them a little though. yes but who's doing the training so That's if we what, bring this back to a circle okay mm-hmm. ultimately we, us, are doing a terrible job of teaching people how to differentiate in a meaningful way. Do you agree with that? Yes. Because we we are taught, those poor student teachers are taught, you have a whole group. It's it's I do, you do, we do. Or yeah, back, that's I'm a back, gradual back. release model. Gradual which, release model. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Then you walk around and you help kids and then you pull groups. Why are we not teaching them to do an entrance ticket? Say, okay, John, Michael, and Sue don't need this. Here's an extension activity. Go over there, work together, make it make it uh, very in-depth, and then you work with these kids that need that. Then you go check on them as one of your groups afterwards. That way, again, we're not training these people well enough. And so what happens is then they come to a place like Thompson where I'm saying – don't slow the high kids down. And it's like deer in the headlights look. And I'm like, well, I start to try to help them and give them ideas. And they can't even conceptualize it because they have been browbeat with the gradual release model, which isn't bad by any stretch. They don't know how to think differently than that. Well, I think it's unfair because you're essentially saying, okay, I hired you to teach second grade, but you need to know the third grade standards. You need to know the fourth grade standards in case you have a student that you need to make sure that you're not slowing them down. And I think that's unfair, Robert. That so I just feel that's unfair. Abby, your daughter is one of the best, brightest readers I've ever been around. So when she was in Michelle's class, I'll just do mm-hmm. the first name. Michelle should not have ever given her a text above second grade. Like I said, Robert, are there other things that she could have worked on? Yeah, there was. How Maybe, about, but how about, it's, how it's about a focus? return on investment of time. It is. If, and if same, for the te- same, for the, same for the teacher too, Robert. You have to understand, same for the teacher. Because you're saying, you're saying, oh, don't slow the runners down. Don't slow the high kids down. I, I get it. I hear what you're saying. But – to actually put that in practice, you, uh, all my materials 
Robert, all of my materials, everything that I that I create and I get and I've been given is for the kindergarten standards. Correct? Correct. Yes. yes. Okay. So now you're asking me to go and find things that are first grade or second grade and I am. I gotta worry about these ones that still don't know their letter names. To me, and I know that you're gonna disagree, but I have got to teach kindergarten standards and remediate and extend the best that I can. You the best that something. I can. You just said something. You said I have to teach these kids letters. Well, what if that group was only 15 kids instead of 25, and the high kids are sitting there raising their hand, answering the questions all the time because they know it. And the kids struggling just sit there and listen to the high kids do it. And they never really get to do it because some teachers don't ever pick on the struggling kids. But that's, but that, but again, that's, that's a teacher problem. You have to learn how to to, training. Yes, it does. I, and Robert, I, we don't disagree there. We, I, and that is something that I'm very passionate about. And I, if anyone from the district is listening, I would like to be, um, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to plug myself. I would really love to come in and do teacher trainings. I will get in the trenches. I will be in the classroom. I don't have to stand in front of the whole, the whole, the whole, uh, staff. I just want to be in the classroom with teachers and show them model for them how to do it. Okay. Now I'm not saying I'm the end all be all, but let me give you some strategies and then you use it. You use your personality and you use what works for you to adapt to that. Because I think that's what we're missing is we're missing. We've talked about this too. We go to school for four years you know, in some of us back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're exactly right. There's a lot of people nowadays that are in education that maybe didn't go. Okay. So we'll just, here's my problem is ultimately then they're put in a classroom for less than 12 weeks to do actually, to see what it's actually like in a classroom. And that's not enough time. That's not enough time. That's not enough time to see what actually happens and to actually, and speaking from experience, one of my practicums, I was in third grade in a third grade classroom. And you know that I'm extra. I like hands-on. I like things. And I came up with this elaborate science lesson with the blubber glove and all the blubber glove and all that fun stuff. I spent 50 minutes on a science lesson and all the materials and all the stuff. And you and I both know that that's not realistic. You can't do that every week. Well, that's not realistic. And so God bless the teacher that allowed me to do that. But I got in the classroom and I was like, oh, wow, like this is not what I was expecting at all. So we do need we need more. We need uh, student teachers in the classroom uh, for a lot longer length of time, less less theory and more practice. And and then we need some actual professional development and training that is meaningful. We one, I mean, we can wrap it up because it's, it's amazing how fast forty minutes goes by when you get get going. But I agree that we need training. But I think one of the one of the big problems with CCSD to just kind of put a bow on coming back around mm-hmm. is that they are a one size fits all district. Everybody needs this. Everybody needs this. Do you remember a couple of years ago? I just I was just. Uh, I was actually working on a book. I was writing about when we had to do the ELL master plan mm-hmm. and we all had to go through these trainings. Uh, we did, we used SBCT time. 
Mm-hmm. So even though we were getting full points for closing the achievement gaps on ELL students, we had to go through the same master plan as every other school. And that included the school out in Southern Highlands that only had 14, I think it was 14, ELL students. So the district loves one size fits all. Here's Envisions. Here's Amplify. Here's Letters. And they just think that that's going to fix everything. And it's not. You have to teach people to use those resources to meet the kids where they're at. Let me ask you a question. You have twins. Yeah. So when you had when you had your twins, at, you're gonna you- you're you're gonna set yourself up. <laughs> I'm gonna win this argument just by saying that. So were there times that you had to do the same thing for time's sake? I'm yes. sure there was. I yes, don't remember there yesterday. Was. There I'm was. sure there was. There's there's times that it's there's just, times there's you know, times. I don't want you to think there's not times. Like, for example, Monday when you walk in and you start a new concept, everybody's got to have it because you've got to know who has it and who doesn't. Okay, so one thing and- we talked about is, yeah, don't get rid of whole group by any stretch. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that on Monday, if you're starting uh, Rose and the Rays in third grade on Monday and you teach the concept and then you give an exit ticket that okay. is a well-thought-out exit ticket and three of your kids can clearly explain what a row and a column make an array, then find okay. something else for that. Okay. I And I'm going to, I know we're going to end this episode and I'm going to end mine by saying this. Along with, with the PD, the emphasis on purposeful, needful, meaningful PD that actually can translate into the classroom, I will say this as well. That's where I also think we talk about assessment drives instruction, and yet we want to use just we don't we we either want to use just formative um or i'm i'm summative or summative thank you we want to use just summative um and i think it takes both i think that you have to do both and then you you don't just give a summative and then say because some kids are good at looking at others some kids i mean and so and i think that's one good thing about for instance, kindergarten is we do a lot of formative assessment and you can see, like, I can tell, I can tell if a kid, you know, uh, is just mimicking what somebody else is saying. And it's just kind of like, oh, well, they, they're doing this. So I'm going to do this or, you know, or either, or. So I think that the, the assessment piece is essential, but we again have, have not provided training that adequately shows how to do formative and, um, and summative. And then, somehow coming together and analyzing that and making a professional decision that is in the best there's, interest of, of students. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons bring it back to you can go PD, you can go the fact they don't go to college very long. They don't spend hardly any time in the classroom if they don't go to the tra- traditional route. You could also make the case, you've seen this before, where the master teacher is not a master by any stretch. So why they even have a student teacher, I will never know. Um, there's a lot of factors to it. But ultimately, I think as the principal, my perspective is I try to differentiate for the teachers as I would expect them to differentiate for the kids. Yet the struggle is that you have to get everybody on the same page. So you have to have a whole group of times. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm just saying don't slow 
the hike is down, if at all possible, because they need to grow as well. Well, we know, as an example today, that it's all about perspective. Thank you for joining us for episode three and meet us again next week for another exciting conversation where we share our perspectives. Have a great. Have a good night.